today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Every parent, there's hope for you, your children. Any parent who has a wayward daughter or a prodigal son, there is hope for you. There's hope for them. Never forget that God loves them more than you ever could. And He wants them right more than you ever could. And never, ever, ever give up on them. Never give up on them. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Never give up on praying for your children to return to the Lord. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message, he teaches you today to surrender your kids to the Lord. He cares more for their salvation than you do. Stay committed to them in prayer and watch for what God will do. He can make the bleakest of circumstances hopeful. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 30 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. couple thoughts here. First of all, it is important to note that all of God's I wills are not meritorious. And I'll explain what I mean by that. And by the way, the enemy does not want you to hear this. Because this is how he gets a Christian and keeps a Christian down. Because he gets us, again, believing it's such a deception that our relationship with God is merit-based, meritorious. In other words, God will do this if I do that. I don't see that here. No, God says, first of all, you're incurable. Uh, Didn't we just get done reading, the heart is deceitfully wicked? (laughs) You're, You're beyond hope. Forget about it. Okay, that was a little bit of New York, whatever. You're beyond hope. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. You have no idea. You're incurable. There's nothing you can do. But I can, and I will. This promise of God doing what He says I will do has nothing to do with what we do. Let me try that again. Bear with me. Our relationship with God is not predicated upon anything that we merit or earn or deserve. We do not have a merit. And aren't you glad, by the way, can you imagine, if our relationship with God was meritorious? I wouldn't be standing up here right now if that were the case. And you probably wouldn't be sitting there right now if that were the case. So don't look at me all spiritual. If the relationship was meritorious, based on merit, Deserved favor? That's the antithesis of mercy. It's the antithesis of grace. No, God says, I will. Yeah, but God, I don't deserve it. I know. Lord, what did I do for you to do this for me? Nothing. He didn't do anything. But I'm going to do it. Why? Because I love you. I'm not through with you. I have a plan for you. And I'm kind of liking this. 
I, I will, a lot of I wills again, I will punish all who oppress them. Oh, cool. Can I watch? Is that bad? Can I, can I see the list, Lord? Because I just want to make sure you got everybody, because this is Genesis 12, 1 and 2, isn't it? I will curse those who curse you. I will bless those who bless you. That's what God's saying here. Why? Because Israel was deserving of it? Absolutely not. Because Israel had merited it, earned it? Absolutely not. It's not based on anything but the goodness of God. Verse 21, their nobles shall be from among them, and their governors shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me for Who is this who pledged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people, and I will be your God. These two verses are a prophecy about Jesus, who is both king and priest, priest in the order of Melchizedek, who we studied about in our verse-by-verse study through Hebrews. He will be the ruler, the ultimate ruler, the governor over the people that will reconcile the people to God. Verse 23, Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord. Remember now, we've seen this word before. Think tornado. Very fast, very violent. The whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury, a continuing whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The fierce anger, verse 24, of the Lord will not return until He has done it, and until He has performed the intents of His heart. And then pay particular attention to this at the end of this chapter. In the latter days you will consider it. Whoa, that's pretty powerful and profound. And it's a prophecy concerning the latter days. We're in the latter days, by the way, spoiler alert, (laughs) when all of these prophecies will ultimately find their fulfillment. Have you ever heard it said, or perhaps you yourself have said, this is the most exciting time to be alive? Well, it is. Chapter 31, verse 1. How are we doing? Pretty good, huh? At the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when I went to give him rest. Now, this is why I wanted to do these two chapters together, because they go together. Verse 1, at the same time, picks up from chapter 30, verse 24, placing this at the same time. What time is this? This is the latter time, the latter days, in the last days. So what follows is a prophecy that will ultimately find its fulfillment at the time of the end. Verse 3, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. Please, please, please don't just go past that or read past that, because I'm not going to let you. 
And here's why. We have to see all that we read in a book like Jeremiah, these prophecies through the lens of God's love. It's an everlasting love. You know what an everlasting love is? (laughs) It's a love that lasts forever. I know, profound, right? But it's this other word here, loving kindness. What if I told you that the closest word in the English language that we could come up with in the translation is loving kindness, and yet it still doesn't even come close to the original meaning behind it? It is, and we're going to see this in a moment, a love that is so deep. It is an unconditional agape love that He has for us, and that is what draws us to Him, His love for us. You know, it's, it's sad because we, we know God is love. It's not just that God has love, but that God is love. Yeah, God loves you, I know. Jesus loves you, I know. And we just blow past it. And it packs no punch, if I can say it like that. And it's sad because what carries more weight is when you hear someone say, well, yeah, Jesus loves you, but He likes you too. He does? He likes me? Yeah. I mean, I know He loves me, but you mean He really likes me? Yeah. That's what this word loving kindness comes packaged with. He likes you. He loves you his thoughts towards you. Again, verse 4, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with your tambourines, and shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall yet, verse 5, plant vines on the mountains of Samaria, the planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food. This is very encouraging to me because there's going to be food in the millennium. Okay. For there shall be a day, verse 6, when the watchmen will cry, not in the way you would think. They will cry on Mount Ephraim, arise and let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. So in other words, the watchmen during the millennium, they're not going to sound the alarm to warn the people of what's coming. They're going to sound the alarm so the people will rejoice. Verse 7, for thus says the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, verse 8, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them the blind and the lame, the woman with child, and the one who labors with child together. A great throng shall return there. They shall come, verse 9, with weeping and with supplications. I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am, I am a father to Israel. And Ephraim is my firstborn. We'll talk about Ephraim more in a moment. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, verse 10. 
and declare it in the isles afar off. See, that's why I think there's going to be the Hawaiian Islands. He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord, verse 11, has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore, they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. I like those two words. Never again. Then, verse 13, shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young man and the old together, for I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them, and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, verse 15, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children, because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, verse 16, Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. And I love verse 17. I love verse 17. I love verse 17. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. Okay, let's talk about this for just a moment. So you remember that Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel. Remember that whole story about, you know, working for, it's a horrible story. It's one of those places in God's Word where you're thinking to yourself, TMI, man, I don't need to know this. This is way too much information. I don't want to know that about Jacob. I don't want to know that about Jacob's father-in-law. Pulls a fast one on him. So he marries Leah, and then he has to work seven more years to get Rachel. And then as it turns out, Rachel's barren. Here Leah's having all these children, ten of them, by the way. Ten of the twelve children of Jacob, Israel, that would become the twelve tribes of Israel, ten of them came by way of Leah. Only two came by way of Rachel, Benjamin and Joseph. Now what's interesting is, and I want to get too deep into this, but it's a very, very fascinating study. So why wasn't there a tribe of Joseph? Joseph had two children, Manasseh and Ephraim. There was the tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of Ephraim. And by the way, again, the name is the nature. You know what Manasseh means in Hebrew? It's actually the same in my native tongue of Arabic. It means to forget. And Ephraim means to make fruitful or be fruitful. And that's why Joseph named his sons 
Ephraim and Manasseh. He had forgotten all that had been done to him. What you did to me, you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. He forgave and forgot, and it was because he forgave and forgot that God made him fruitful. That's why you don't have a tribe of Joseph. So when Jacob is blessing his sons, he blesses Manasseh and Ephraim. And by the way, Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, is the area today we know as Jerusalem. That's Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. So these two sons, only Benjamin was the youngest, Joseph the second to the youngest. They were the only two sons that came by way of Rachel. The other ten came by Leah. Now, why is this important? Because this is not just prophetic, it's also poetic as a type or picture of the yet future slaughter of the male children in Bethlehem under Herod. This is Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. That was a demonic, satanic attempt to kill the Savior of the world who had been born. And so he calculated that any male child under the age of two, kill him. Kind of reminiscent of what Pharaoh did, right? Save Moses, a deliverer, a type of Christ. So he had them all. And by the way, some historians and commentators, it's quite graphic. I won't get graphic, but they were, they were slaughtered. They were slaughtered. Then verse 17, we're told, was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. That's the prophecy that we just read, and it was fulfilled and recorded in Matthew's gospel. Now, before we move on to verse 18, there's something here that I want to point out, very important. Every parent, there's hope for you, your children. Any parent who has a wayward daughter or a prodigal son, there is hope for you. There's hope for them. Never forget that God loves them more than you ever could. And He wants them right more than you ever could. And never, ever, ever give up on them. Never give up on them. Verse 18, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me, and I was chastised like an untrained bull. Restore me, and I will return, for you are the Lord my God. Surely after my turning, I repented, and after I was instructed, I struck myself on the thigh. I was ashamed, yes, even humiliated, because I bore the reproach of my youth. 
what's this about? What's this saying? Well, this speaks to that godly sorrow that the Apostle Paul writes about to the Corinthian church that leads to a genuine repentance. This was a genuine repentance, a turning back. Verse 20, please don't miss this. Listen to the heart of God in his response. Is Ephraim my dear son, is he a pleasant child? For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. Does this sound a little bit like the parable of the prodigal? It should. That's the heart of a loving heavenly father. And this is again one of those places where it's really hard for us to fully grasp the meaning when we're told that the heart of God yearns. It it sort of carries with it the idea of there's an internal just a yearning and a, a, a like when your stomach is in pain, hunger pains, a, a growling, a yearning, a churning. I mean, it's almost like a, a, a physical sickness because you ache and yearn and long so much for them. You know, the parable of the prodigal is to me perhaps one of the most powerful pictures of a loving Heavenly Father, and it's missed in our culture for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. You would never in the Middle East, in my culture as an Arab, you would never in the Middle East see a dad, a father, run to his son. It's unthinkable, would never happen. Yet the picture that's painted for us in that parable of the prodigal son is that of not only a father running to his son, but waiting and watching, yearning, churning in his heart for his son to return, to show mercy to him. Oh, he loves him so. And when he sees his son coming from afar off, he he gathers his robe so he can run. I mean, this would be shameful in the Middle East. The father runs, no, boy, you run to me. No, that's what it's like. It's unimaginable, unthinkable incomprehensible. Here's the father gathering his robe so he can run to his son after what his son did. You want to talk about meritorious. He doesn't deserve it. In fact, there's every indication that the son was a little bit taken back. He's kind of like, whoa, he was rehearsing what he was going to say to his dad all the way back home. Like, dad, I'm sorry, I took the inheritance. I wasted it. I spent it. I I lost it all. Oh, can I just, how do I say this? I'll just shovel, you know what, you you can use whatever word you want. I'll just do that for you. That would be better than what I was doing. In here, his dad's running to him, and then he says, hey, we're going to have a feast like we've never had before. And it's so, <laughs> the older brother, There's a there's a powerful lesson in that. He's not happy with this. He's like, are you kidding me right now? I've been faithful, and my brother went out and wasted his inheritance, and and you're going to do it. He didn't do that for me. Well, son, listen, he was lost. Now he's found. He's back. He's back. Well, 
This is the heart of God. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.